Carice Witte runs the Signal Group, a China-focused think tank based in Israel. Uh, we are recording this uh, on the morning of October 10th, Tuesday, uh, U.S. time. Uh, Curry, so where are you now and what's your experience of the past few days been? Uh, it's very hard to convey the depth of horror and pain that I, my family, and my country have experienced over the last few days. The last time so many Jews were killed in one day was the Holocaust. We are devastated. We are torn to pieces. I personally am torn to pieces. Um, and we are hearing more and more stories of uh, utter, utter deprivation carried out by Hamas against our, against children, against mothers, against grandmothers, soldiers, an entire base of women who worked in intelligence was mowed down. A bunch of 20-year-old girls. My daughter was in a base just like that three years ago. And she said to me, Mom, that could have been me. We were not prepared for be having a physical attack. None of us were trained to shoot. We had nothing. So they were just sitting ducks because Israel never expected this kind of invasion. We have no strategic depth in Israel. When I would host Chinese uh, experts, uh, Chinese policy advisors, government officials, etc., in Israel, I would take them around the country and have them walk the, the, to the border and see we have no strategic depth. The minute you cross our border, we are there. There's, there's no buffer zone. So Israel has worked religiously to keep the, the violence and the attacks on our country on the other side. And uh, this was a failure. This was a, um, a straight out failure. And we have gone from Saturday morning shock the entire day, just feeling like you're getting punched in the stomach over and over and over. And then we got past that first day. And now we're told we need to prepare our safe room for a potential attack by Hezbollah in the north with 150,000 missiles pointed at us. And these are, some of these are precision missiles. And they will, you know, it's not a hole in the building like you might've seen in Tel Aviv or um, part of a house. This is a complete wipeout if it comes from the north. And in this case, uh, there's expectation that there'll be hundreds of thousands of casualties. So we are preparing our safe room and we're told we have to put cash and you know, you assume water and dry goods, that's what they said, but also cash and your ID. I mean, I guess so that your ID doesn't get destroyed. So afterwards, if you can walk out of there, we can know who you are or they'll know who you were when when they pull you out of the, uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know. It's so hard to fathom. We're just not completely prepared. Um, although I won't, well, I do have to say we're not unprepared. I, I do... Uh, um, Remember that over the past few years, you know, sort of toward, during COVID, we were reminded by the military that we need to do this kind of preparation. We will need to do it. And here the day has come. So where am I? I'm preparing the safe room. I'm trying to focus on work. I'm trying to help my kids who are all adults, but still suffering through this. And, uh, and, 
and they in turn, you know, are doing volunteer work uh, to try to help anyone that they can in order to get through this in one piece and hopefully come out of it stronger and with a, a very new Middle East. So let's talk about uh, the sort of, I guess, Chinese interpretation of uh, the events over the weekend, which apparently are like America's fault. I'm curious for your sort of diagnosis of, um, you know, what were some sort of geostrategic drivers uh, of the attacks? Well, the Chinese interpretation, first of all, I've been in touch with scores of uh, government and, and party um, policy advisors, experts, academics over the last few days, and every single one of them on a one-to-one, one-on-one basis has offered heartfelt support, standing with Israel, supporting the, the people, etc. cetera. Uh, the government has interpreted this. Um, it comes across in a very similar way to uh, the way China has interpreted past terror attacks. And it is bizarre to say, but, you know, even we woke up and said, oh, this is another terror. Is it another terror attack? And, oh, no, this is not just another terror attack. I mean, can you believe those words that I'm saying? That terror attacks are, are our norm. Oh, yeah, it's just another terror attack. So um, China's response has always been uh, generally to take the Palestinian side. Um, politically, China officially stands 100% with the Palestinians and has done so, um, you know, for decades. Uh, on a on an economic level, China is very happy to work with Israel on a personal level, on a cultural level, uh, many interactions, academic cooperation, scientific cooperation, et cetera, et cetera. But politically, they've always been very clear. 100% anti-Israel votes in every international institution. Uh, when I wrote, when I said this on CGTN, I was criticized by a Chinese scholar that this was too harsh, that I was too sharp. And my response is, this is not the time for uh, concern about um, Israeli harshness and sharpness. This is a time where history will judge the decisions that are made by countries around the world. And we see, you know, Brussels generally is not a great supporter of Israel. It, it generally is a critic of Israel, but they firmly stand with Israel right now. The butchery that took place, no human, no humane person could watch that and say uh, that there, this is anything but barbaric and stand with the people who are suffering. Um, many Chinese people, I understand, uh, are getting a lot of misinformation and disinformation, which is common. Uh, but it means that the government and the censorship is allowing that uh, misinformation to become rampant on uh, uh, and Weibo and um, other social media, which is causing a, a misreading, and it's making it look like once again, the Palestinians are suffering from Israeli aggression. Well, this began with the most egregious and savage, barbaric behavior 
against citizens, civilians. And uh, the next step is very much um, that Israel is going to have to respond. And I ask the Chinese leadership, if a country near China entered across the border and murdered an equal percentage of people and captured an e equal percentage of people, of Chinese, and took them into the, their territory as hostages, what would China do? China, we, we, we have seen China's response to any kind of modest, and I will say modest terror. There is terror and there is terror. Uh, you know, a, um, a car bomb in Tiananmen totally transformed China's approach. And um, what we've experienced, what Israel has experienced throughout the years has been horrific, but it doesn't compare to what we went through on, on uh, Saturday, which is Simchat Torah, it's a day of joy, the holiday happens to be my birthday, and instead, this day will always be associated with a tragedy, and a tragedy of enormous uh, uh, proportions. So um, China's interpretation is very much seen through the lens, in, from what I can tell, of the standard uh, competition with the United States, the fear of U.S. strength and um, its ability to cultivate strong alliances. And uh, therefore, that uh, uh, rhetoric is guiding the interpretation of what has happened here and that is in itself tragic because it will lead China to um, miscalculations on policy steps in this region. The Middle East, we all know, has become very important to China. It has actually um, uh, accurately identified the Middle East as sort of the weak link between, uh, the, between Europe and the Indo-Pacific. China has focused very much on investment in the Middle East, bringing Middle East countries into its orbit. We know that four of the six countries that were brought into BRICS are Middle East countries, including Saudi Arabia and Iran, which is, I, I believe, part of um, the, the wind in Iran's sails, was becoming uh, more of a recognized uh, player on the international stage. I also think that the U.S. Uh, releasing at least $6 billion to Iran, which is fungible, even if that money is only for humanitarian, and frees up a lot of other money for Iran to use to back Hamas. We know that Hamas made, had uh, many delegations visit Iran over the past many months, and it's clearly training, guidance, and masterminding of Iran behind this uh, attack. Hamas what uh, was backed by Iran and guided by Iran. And um, when we look to who is uh, at, at the core of this, it is uh, a country that is working closely with China. And China is aware of Iran's threats to eviscerate Israel. And the first statement that Xi Jinping comes out with is to create the... To, an answer to this attack, a Palestinian state must be created alongside a Jewish state. And I want to ask, what 
what in, in this event on Saturday indicates that there is an interest in a Palestinian state alongside a Jewish state. There is nothing in that attack that would lead to a kind of compromise. And anybody who thinks that that was an effort for anything less than the entire territory of Israel is kidding themselves. The First of all, Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people or the Palestinian Authority. Hamas has been running its own territory for years. There was no reason for them to be interested in Israel at all. But their goal and their charter states, they will take the entire land and turn it into an Islamic state. And that is what the murderous efforts that took place on Saturday are meant to lead to, toward. Iran has orchestrated a multi-level, multifaceted plan where it starts with Hamas, draws Israel on foot into uh, Gaza, and at that point, there's an agreement that Hezbollah will begin to attack from the north. While we have many of our um, military uh, uh, capabilities focused on on the west in Gaza. In that at that time, there are also uh, Iranian militias made up of Taliban and Houthis in Iraq and Syria who can infiltrate from the north. They can then open up two more fronts, which is the Palestinians in uh, Judea and Samaria, which some people refer to as the West Bank. And the final uh, front are Israeli Arabs. And we saw some of that uh, take place in the past, in the recent past. Um, But in the end, this um, uh, four or five point attack is not about convincing Israel to make concessions. If Israel thought that concessions would lead to a peace and uh, a um, live and let live situation, we would have done it years ago. Uh, Ehud Barak offered Arafat with the support of Clinton more than 100% of the territory that has been discussed in these two-state solutions for decades. And he said, no, flat out no. He said, I will not be the the Arab leader who gives away our sacred land. Well, what sacred land is he talking about if he was already getting 100% of the territory discussed? Let's take a step back and talk a little bit about the sort of China's moves in the Middle East over the past year or two. You've you've seen a lot of coverage of um, them sort of husbanding this rapprochement between Iran and, and Saudi, Arabia, Saudi Arabia, which looks a little interesting in retrospect. But I'm... Uh, I'm curious sort of what you think the, the, the broader motivation was for all of that and where China will stand, uh, you know, when the dust starts to settle on whatever is going to happen over the next few months. So first of all, the, we have to keep in mind what we said at the outset or what you noted so rightly that it looks like it's about all about America from the perspective of China. So as I noted, the Middle East is this weak link. Uh, China has been the largest investor in the Middle East since uh, 2016. The Digital Silk Road has been very successful here. Uh, The investment um, uh, by China into Middle East countries that can provide um, payment through oil, et cetera, uh, has grown exponentially. exponentially. I think the third largest BRI 
uh, investment country um, a couple of years ago was Iraq because they can pay for whatever they need in oil. Um, we know that there's a huge amount of Chinese technology. Huawei is, is, has blanketed most of the Middle East except Israel. They don't have the same, the, the uh, Arab countries don't have the same security concerns that Israel has uh, with respect to privacy, with respect to control over their telecoms. For us, it's existential. For the Arabs, it's just another thing. So um, they also believe that they can balance the two, uh, the balance the U.S. off of China and vice versa. Uh, we've seen very clearly Saudi Arabia and UAE's ability to um, get benefits from both sides, and especially Saudi Arabia playing one off the other uh, quite successfully uh, because Saudi Arabia has a lot to offer. It has a lot of money and um, oil resources. So uh, it's in a very different position. Uh, and um, having Saudi Arabia in China's camp is a major goal. Pulling it away from the U.S. is an anchor for China's position here. When um, Xi Jinping came out with the Global Security Initiative, uh, Wang Yi, um, you know, the top uh, diplomatic uh, official of the country, said this will become the security architecture of the Middle East, specifically said that. Now, prior to COVID, there were uh, yearly gatherings hosted by China between Israelis and Palestinian talks, but they were all uh, with non-official players, which um, didn't really lead to much, except China got a little bit of um, pro-propaganda uh, that they were helping the Palestinian tribes. Well, late, they, uh, after the success with the Saudi-Iran rapprochement, where they invested a few months of effort, uh, where the Qataris and the, uh, uh, was it, maybe it was Oman, who had done the heavy lifting along with Iraq. Uh, but China came in towards the end, definitely made a, a, a contribution. And uh, that success far uh, outweighed their expectations. They did not realize that they were going to get so much play from that achievement. And it led them to pick up the phone for the first time ever to have the foreign minister back then before when Qin Gang was still in, in his role, uh, called up the Israeli foreign minister and the foreign minister of the Palestinian Authority and said, uh, we're happy to mediate and bring this problem into the United Nations. And of course, uh, it's well known that Israel is despised in the United Nations, never gets a fair shake, and bringing anything about Israel into the United Nations is uh, anathema for Israel and, and equal to failure. Uh, nonetheless, China made that offer. Um, I think China's interest is uh, establishing the Global Security Initiative, which is also a non-starter for Israel with the concept of indivisible security, where uh, uh, the security needs are equated for us between the Palestinians and the Israelis, it, it's, um, it doesn't speak to the problem where we are the subject of Palestinian terror on a permanent ongoing basis. Yes, the media in China portrays it as Israel being the aggressor, but in fact, we are the victims of terror 
over and over and over. And the reason we have to have all of these checkpoints, et cetera, et cetera, is because we keep getting blown up. So um, how uh, uh, my, my understanding of the end game here right now, China, on the one hand, has its goals. It wants to sideline the U.S., keep uh, Saudi Arabia in its orbit, strengthen the um, uh, axis of countries that are under uh, the, the sort of China umbrella of, quote, global south countries and have some of these stronger countries like Saudi Arabia in that camp. However, after this terrible failure on the part of Israel, and, and there are reasons, uh, there are many reasons unknown, but there are a couple of reasons that are known, and they're not good. Uh, one of the reasons I think that Israel let down its guard is because Hamas had been behaving uh, incrementally more like a responsible actor. And Israel wanted to believe the fantasy, like everyone else, that there's hope for, for peace, hope for progress, and let down its guard. Uh, and that, along with uh, the infighting that we had uh, over the last nine months, distracted too many people. And for that, and as well as other reasons that will come out later, uh, we were, um, you know, we dropped the ball. Our security people dropped the ball. And that's over. Israel has regrouped. We are now, we and the rest of the world are now aware of who we are dealing with. And there is no possibility when you live next to a monster, you have two choices. The monster eats you or you kill it. And those are the, you know, it's, it's a terrible thing, but... You can't live next to a monster who's constantly coming and trying to destroy you. So um, that will happen. And if Hezbollah decides to join in, I don't know uh, when the U.S. battleship pulled into the Mediterranean. It was a very strong message, not only to Hezbollah of what they might expect, because Americans were killed and Americans were probably kidnapped and taken hostage, which gives America the uh, uh, ability to get involved, should that be useful. But it also speaks to Saudi Arabia and the other countries of the region that if you're like Israel or you are working with Israel, you have an opportunity to gain the kind of security umbrella that Israel has. And that, in my opinion, you want to talk about where is the Middle East going? I see a new Middle East that we none, none of us could have predicted on its way, where um, we have this war, we reshape the, the immediate neighborhood based on the results of that war, that normalization follows with Saudi Arabia, that other Arab countries see the benefits and join in. And at that point, China will have to rethink its approach to Israel, because until now, Israel was a very useful card. If you uh, uh, throw Israel under the bus, and China doesn't like to hear it, but it's the truth. If you throw Israel under the bus, the idea was you're going to get support of the 56 Muslim states and certainly the 22 in the Arab League. And um, if many countries in the Arab League are normalized with Israel, working with Israel, changing their views of Israel, 
you can't do that anymore. Now you're going to have to work with Israel to gain the support of those countries. Um, and that, in turn, throws a bit of a stick in the spokes of the Iran-China relationship. You think you want to leave our Chinese, American, European, global listenership with? Yeah, I do want to mention that um, one aspect of this conflict that is not being mentioned, but is uh, an underlying critical factor, is the civil war within Islam that is um, basically Iran versus Saudi Arabia, Sunni versus Shia, uh, where um, Iran is looking to establish an Islamic, Islamist, uh, um, more extremist leadership and take the world global Muslim population into a more extremist direction. And Saudi Arabia and Morocco are working towards a more moderate Islam. And this is being played out right now. We're in the crosshairs as usual, we Israel, we're on the front lines. And how this ends up is going to impact many, many parts of the world. And I think people need to be aware and, um, and, and support Israel's efforts, not only because we were butcher, but also because we're on the front lines uh, working for a, a world order of stability and of moderation that I think is desired by, by most countries. Chris, thanks for being a part of China. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Ophir Dayan works at the Institute for National Security Studies based in Tel Aviv. She's a China Middle East policy analyst, uh, also recording this the uh, a.m. Eastern time, Tuesday, October 10th. Ophir, uh, talk us through your past few days. So if I had to choose one word to describe what Israel and Israelis have been experiencing over the last uh, three and a little more than three days, uh, it's surreal. I think that things that um, unfolded on the ground are uh, scenarios that Israelis didn't think possible. Uh, it's, in, in a way, the worst nightmare of Israelis. Uh, I think the past uh, three three days were, for Israelis, uh, a wake-up a wake call. Uh, we've seen hundreds, almost a thousand uh, Israelis killed. We've seen, um, I, I assume, what to be uh, over a hundred Israelis, including civilians and children and and the elderly um, kidnapped into Gaza. Um, I think it's important to understand how um, sure Israel was um, in the strength of its army uh, and in the weakness of Hamas uh, in comparison. And and how there is a, a, a misconception. There there was a huge misconception about about the the power balance here. And I think many Israelis, including myself, um, are. Even now, more than three days after this war broke, uh, a bit in, a, in disbelief uh, of what's been happening. Um, and, and again, I'm going to use the words for real. We've seen sites, um, they're very graphic, so I'm, I'm not going to repeat them here. But, but we never thought we we're going to see uh, this sort of fighting taking place inside Israel. Um, we never thought we'd see the number, the sheer number of uh, people kidnapped and uh, murdered by Hamas. And I'm going to say one more thing, which I think it's very important to understand here. We've seen ISIS-styled uh, acts by Hamas. And I think that also is, is a very important aspect in terms of 
first of all, you know, the, the people killed and, and abused, but also uh, the psych, uh, the, the national psych, I think that we've, um, it, it adds to the, to the shock and the trauma that we've been experiencing. And, and since it's taken place in 2023, everything is recorded, everything is on social media, um, and people are exposed to it. And um, lastly, I'm going to say that only the, the sheer number of people uh, missing, the people murdered, means that every single Israeli knows at least one, if not more, um, of, of, you know, someone who is directly impacted by the fighting, whether it be, you know, a murdered individual, a, a hostage being held in Gaza, someone missing. Um, and, and I think that's very, it's, it's, it's a big turning point for Israeli society and for myself in how we view ourselves and our enemies in this region, both in terms of their strength and in terms of their um, brutality. Ophir, well, let's let's tease that out a little bit. Uh, what's the sort of before and after? I mean, you know, it is a terrorist organization. They have been bombing uh, Israelis for a long time now. Um, but sort of what, what what about the kind of ISIS, uh, you know, inspired uh, uh, dimension as well as the scale um, sort of changes, uh, you know, how the government and how the people uh, sort of interpret their, I don't know, broader security environment. So I'm going to say something that um, it's going to be very sad, but for the past 18 years, Israelis got used uh, to, to being bombarded by Hamas, um, by rockets, by um, water shells. We just got used to it. Um, and it's no longer something that is completely shocking or destabilizing to us. We are used to having this um, mini conflict with Hamas once every few years. But this one is different. Um, I think what makes it different is the surprise. Um, you know, we woke up Saturday morning, 6.30 a.m. Israel time with uncertainty of what's even happening uh, on Israeli territory. Um, entire communities were held by Hamas. They were, you know, they were taken over by a terrorist organization. Um, and, and this surprise of something we never thought possible and the way that it took um, the Israeli defense forces and the police many, many hours to um, intervene, I think that's, um, that's, that's different from other times. Um, but I think what makes it uh, very different than other times, which is, I think, the most destabilizing thing, is that we are used to... I don't want to be, I don't want to say sterile warfare, but to bombs and aircraft um, in response, we're not used to them infiltrating Israeli territory in this scale, taking, you know, more than 100 Israelis, civilians, hostages, uh, and killing almost 1,000 uh, Israelis. Uh, what's your, what's your sense of the sort of, um, Ophir, why don't you give a, a little background of uh, China-Israel um, relations as well as what, um, uh, you know, what China has been pursuing over the past few years uh, in the broader Middle East? Okay, so, so I'm going I'm to start this way. Um, diplomatic relations between China and Israel has only been a thing since the 90s. So 
Um, even the, the broader context of Israeli-China relations is, is pretty recent uh, in terms of international relations. Um, the relationship between China and Israel is based a lot on economic um, and trade relations. Uh, China is viewed here in Israel as an economic partner, not as a strategic partner in the same way the U.S. is perceived here in Israel. Um, yet, I'm going to say this way, look, even though China is perceived here as a, as a trade partner more than um, a strategic one, people here um, like China. They value China. People here travel to China. They um, buy Chinese products. Uh, before this entire thing started, we even uh, were talking about a planned trip by the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to China, uh, a trip that stirred controversy because, um, you know, Netanyahu and his, and his closest uh, compatriots even floated around this idea of, of China, you know, of this trip being a realignment in the Israeli um in the Israeli uh, alliances system a little more towards China than, than the U.S. And we need to understand the context that this is coming from. Uh, people view China um, very differently than people in the U.S. view China. Well, people in the U.S. view China as, a, as, a, as competition, as a threat. In Israel, China is an inspiration. Uh, we look at how, you know, China builds magnificent structures and, and huge projects um, and here in Israel as well, by the way. Um, so, so that's how Israelis view China. And I think in this context, it was very disappointing for many Israelis to see the Chinese response, um, especially compared to the American response and to other Western nations. Um, while President Joe Biden unequivocally uh, supports Israel, um, gave several statements, is sending, uh, you know, um, Navy vassals here sending uh, military assistance. Uh, China couldn't even bring itself to properly denounce Hamas. Um, it, you know, something that is very basic. And even people as anti-Israel as Ilhan Omar, uh, the Congress member for the U.S., uh, she even condemned Hamas uh, more than China. And no Israeli thought Ilhan Omar would be a better ally of Israel than China. Um, I think that's that's a bit surreal to see uh, Ilhan Omar saying that she's horrified by by the crimes Hamas is committing, and China saying they hope for uh, all sides to remain calm. I think I think that that's a bit surreal for us. Um, this entire idea is magnified by the fact that there is a Chinese citizen, um, at least one, um, directly affected by the fighting, um, uh, and. A citizen called Noah. She's um, a young Israeli, uh, Chinese Israeli, being held in Gaza. Um, her mom is Chinese, um, and there was a very viral video of her being kidnapped into Gaza. Um, you know, she she has been kidnapped by Hamas, and and first of all, uh, if I might say, she's she's a very beautiful uh, young lady. Uh, which you know, when you look at it, it's just sad. She's she's there, surrounded by Hamas. Uh, um, terrorist and, and she's saying, please don't kill me. Um, and it's been on the cover um, on, of many international uh, news outlets, uh, many newspapers. And, and China, um, where she's a citizen, has been, uh, their response was, was rather disappointing. So I'm sorry, 
I think she's, is, is it, uh, we know her mother is a citizen. I'm not sure she's, she's like a passport holder. Um, is that, is that confirmed if you're, or what's the dynamic there? I think as as far as the reports here goes, uh, she she's a Chinese citizen. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, it's tricky because like you can't like China doesn't. Yeah, China yeah, yeah, yeah. So so she's not recognized by China as a citizen because she has dual citizenship. So, Which again is a concept that is very foreign to Israelis because there are many Israelis with dual citizenship, so they don't understand why in this case it's it's not something that prompts reaction. Gotcha. Oh, Ophir, let's take us let's take a step back then and talk about um, you know, China's broader ambitions in the Middle East. We saw them being very proud of brokering this um, you know, deal between Iran and and Saudi Arabia. We'll see where that leaves. Uh, you know, we'll see where that ends up after uh, you know, the dust settles from this war. But um, you know, what what are what is the the the, the relationship that uh, China particularly has been trying to develop uh, with Iran. Um, you know, how is that seen now um, following following an, uh, an attack of uh, the magnitude like this? Look, I, I must be completely honest with you. I think Israelis are less um, engaged in, in, in the China discussion here in the Middle East. This is something that we people who, um, who monitor China uh, very closely, this is something that is very disturbing to us. The the average Israeli, I'm I'm not sure even you know knows or or takes account of of China's actions here in the Middle East. Um, but I would say though that every uh, interaction between a foreign government and Iran is seen as very negative here in in Israel, especially by a government like China, uh, a country that Israelis uh, consider as a friend. Um, I think that. Um, while the, the tension between the U.S. and China is very evident and very understood by uh, analysts here in Israel, the average Israeli is less aware of it. Um, and they, they view China as, you know, as, as, as a friendly country. Um, so it's lack of ability to condemn Hamas properly. Um, and, you know, more than that, it's, it's alignment with Iran. Is seen very negatively here, um, and they will be viewed even more negatively when when Israelis will be more aware of this connection. Um, so, if you're, let me read you this tweet. I'm curious for your response. Uh, Ryan Haas from Brookings tweeted, um, "Time will tell, but my expectation is that China's cautious response to Hamas's attack in Israel will expose the limits of PRC influence in the re region. Beijing historically has been wary of being drawn into taking sides." I don't expect that to change. Uh, thoughts or, or response to that, uh, that, that sentiment of you? I think that's a very good analysis of what's been happening. Um, while the United States is extremely involved in what's happening over the last uh, little more than three, three days, uh, China is, is, not, is not as involved um, rhetorically by not being able to condemn Hamas like other nations did. Um, but also on the ground, I, I want to remind our listeners that a few years back, China even proposed to mediate uh, between Israel and the Palestinians. Like, yeah, it did the same, um, I think, last year as well. Um, and those are attempts that Israelis are aware of. Uh, they know that China views itself as as some sort of a, a potential mediator uh, in, in the never-ending Middle Eastern conflict. Um, even, a, you know, a survey that was conducted a few months ago 
um, with uh, Arabs, young Arabs in the Middle East, showed that they prefer China to the U.S. as a mediator. But in times like this, someone, uh, a country that views itself as a possible mediator uh, should be uh, more involved and not, you know, sit on the sidelines and, and say, you know, bad, on, bad people on both sides. And that's practically what China has been doing so far. Um, I think China is also showing its um, lack of nuance uh, of what's been happening here. Uh, the sides here are not even, uh, especially when you ask Israelis. Um, and China kind of makes this comparison. Um, and while the United States is sending military assistance, which is, again, very, very unusual, uh, it also shows solidarity on um on other levels, it, the White House was colored uh, blue and white as uh, the Eiffel Tower uh, and the Brandenburg Gate in, in Germany. We don't see that solidarity from China. Um, but I think it's important to understand how, you know, Europeans and, and Americans are also uh, very familiar to Israelis. They travel here. And although there are many Chinese tourists in Israel, um, Israelis know less about Chinese culture. They know less Chinese individuals. Um, so, so even on the human level um, and on social media, they interact less with Chinese people than they interact with Americans or with Europeans and other English-speaking uh, countries. So, so um, China is, I would say, cautiously unfelt here. Uh, by by Israelis, and I, I would even say by by Israeli leadership. Yeah, um, you know, there's there's sort of the context, I guess, of like ISIS style exposure, I think, which China and the Chinese, uh, you know, people as well as Chinese leadership really haven't hasn't had. I mean, you know, in terms of uh, terrorist attacks, right? We've had some knife stuff and a threatened car bomb, uh, which has kind of been it over the past 15 years. And I think that's very different than, um, you know, in European, uh, you know, bombings and, and killings across Europe, as well as um, as well as in the U.S. and and in the Middle East, where where, you know, America had um, uh, uh, had troops in, in Iraq and Afghanistan for um, uh, for years and years. So I think there's sort of a, a uh, the, 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 the comparisons are maybe easier, um, to draw, um, given the proximity of, uh, uh, of, of sort of similar experience, I guess. Um, of and I think it's, a, it's important also to note that in terms of, um, values, there is more similarity between, um, the values in which Israel is built upon and, and American and Western values. Um, it's easier for, you know, democratic countries like the U.S. and the U.K. understand how it is um, felt by Israelis when when a non-democratic society uh, is in conflict with a democratic society, which is something that is not shared by China. Um, what's a, a kind of interesting parallel that was uh, pointed out by uh, your colleague Tuvia uh, Gehring, who couldn't join us today because he was called up, um, is the is the sort of echo that you're seeing in China's response to the Russia-Ukraine um, uh, fight and the way it's portrayed on um, 
on official media to um, uh, to how they're talking about uh, uh, Hamas's attacks and Israel's response, where you basically have this um, uh, uh, this this narrative of you know uh, like the uh, uh, devastation caused in this case by uh, you, you know over the past year by Ukraine, in this case by uh, uh, Israel, sort of no real context on like why those things are happening. Um, and then, uh, you know, one or two sort of nods or maybe not even a nod. Uh, uh, it was sort of incredible, I thought, in Simon Liambo, how they didn't even mention um, the fact that, uh, you know, hundreds of Israelis uh, civilians were um, uh, were killed, which is why, uh, you know, you saw those um, uh, you saw the images in the first half of the sort of little clip of um, uh, of attacks in Gaza happening in the first place. And then you kind of close it with a. By the way, this is actually all America's fault because, you know, they're the they're the the bad actors. So um, it, it, it is sort of like a surreal um, playbook to I mean, to it's it's surreal, but like, I guess, kind of understandable, given that she has this relationship with Putin and, and sees them as a strategic ally. But to sort of, um, you know, in, in a sense, put Putin's the, the, a superpower or sort of superpower in Russia on the same level as Hamas. Um, is is just a wild thing to, um, to 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 see happening in real time. Yeah, definitely. I I definitely agree with that. Ophir, thanks for being a part of China Talk. Thank you very much, Jordan. Um, and hope for for better, quiet, uh, peaceful days. Ani כל מה שמפחיד אותי, כל מה שמלחיץ אני משתיק אני אלוף העולם בלאהוב, קודם את עצמי אחר כך בבמה וברחוב הכי קשה לתת למי שהוא קרוב אני זה לא אני תליתי, אני אחראי רק על המנגינות. אני אלוף העולם, בליפול ולקום, כמו גדול, אדירי, כמו חול. אני נשרף אבל בוחר בכל יום להמשיך לחיות. אני אלוף העולם, בלרצות, לפחות, לנסות, אדירי. בסוף, אחרי חולשות ותאוות היצר הוא מכר ותיק מכיר כל טריק עתיק שהוא מחזיק בתיק אבל תראי יום אחד אהיה צדיק עמוק בפנים כל מה שיש לי לא מספיק בעליל אני עכבר קטן והחיים חליל נופל הבור כי לא מצליח להבדיל בין טוב לרע ולאן כל זה מוביל את משדרת עסקים כרגיל אבל תכף ייגמר לנו הפתיל. אני אלוף העולם, בליפול ולקום. כמו גדול, עתירי, כמו הפחון, אני...
I'm a man of the world, 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 I